episode 002 of the Energy Edge podcast. Hey everybody, this is Cliff Ravenscraft from podcastanswerman.com and you are listening to The Energy Edge with my friend Brian. This podcast, my friends, will help you take your life to the next level. I hit a wall and this time uh, it kind of hit back and I did not get up quickly for the first time. And all my Energizer Bunny energy was no longer there. It had officially left the building and the Energizer Bunny had lost his energy. Welcome to the Energy Edge Podcast, where we believe if you desire to get the absolute most out of your work and life, then finding your Energy Edge is a must. The Energy Edge Podcast will help you learn to leverage your everyday major activities into an energy advantage so you can work and live at an optimal level. We discuss key topics such as sleep, nutrition, and fitness, along with maximizing breaks, downtime, and personal development. So let's begin. Welcome to our very first interview. Now, Brian usually does the interviews, but today I'm going to be filling that role. In a moment, we're going to be joined by my co-host, Brian, that I just talked about. Brian Paul Buckley, he is. Uh, He's going to be sharing with us his backstory that's probably going to surprise many of you, along with challenge you if you're a hard-charging high performer. And I'm going to be asking Brian a few questions like how long he's been a hard driver and why, the specifics behind a devastating crash in his life, what he learned from losing his health, and much, much more. So how are you doing there, Brian? I know you're on, on with us. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about this, although... A little different here, Treva, going from the interviewer to the interviewee, and yeah. uh, I'm kind of curious how this goes. Be uh, be gentle. Oh well, I'll try. We'll see. <laughs> so we have a lot of information. So why don't we just get started? I'd like to hear some of your backstory. Can you tell us a little bit about the way back? Sure. Yeah, and I want I want to put you in that way back machine. Good way of saying it here, so you kind of get a better perspective on my story here. So I grew up in the suburbs of Chicago, and I had a very prominent father figure in the community and in the church world, kind of a translation. It meant that uh, our family name kind of held a lot of clout and status in anywhere we went and even all over the country. So I learned how to public speak and uh, play the piano at a very young age and well enough to perform in front of hundreds and thousands of people when my dad was uh, working as in, in the church world and uh, even in the community. Uh, I loved the perks of my last name, but uh, that also meant I had a lot of responsibility or expectations that came with it at, of course, no additional charge. Uh, I went off to college in early uh, August 1988, believe it or not, and everything changed. My parents dropped me off at at Liberty University, which is in Lynchburg, Virginia. Ironically, the school name with being Liberty was was, um, important to me because it was actually the first chance for me to kind of be on my own. Nobody knew what it meant for me to be a Buckley. And to be honest, nobody really cared. And for me, it was kind of welcome to obscurity. It was my own form of being in witness protection. Uh, And it was a big moment in my life because I could finally choose my own direction and and make my own name. So it ignited me in this this drive to kind of get my own results. And I liked it a lot. And it it shapes the rest of my life, you know, for the good and for the bad. And, you know, therapy, anybody. And I'm, I'm kind of saying that half joking. So my desire for status and success on my own started to be fulfilled a little bit in college. I was elected junior class president and student body vice president my senior year and had a great run in the college years, won the highest award in my area of study. And I think that uh, that drive 
that was created from the first 18 years of my life really started to be a snowball effect in my college years. It's interesting. I've known you for a really long time. And, and as you're telling me some of these things, I'm like, wow, I had no idea you were elected junior class president <laughs> and student body vice president. And it was a legal uh, vote, just so you know. <laughs> Be very, very clear about but that. But you are, you know, you are dating yourself by telling us when exactly you went to college, you know. <laughs> yeah, just for, for some validity's sake here. So. <laughs> so what was it like for you? What was life like after college? Well, I was so driven through my 20s and 30s in almost every single area of my life. And I think I was learning how to maximize my time and, and really to begin to outperform most people. I realized that most people were just satisfied with being average, and I wasn't. And that drive created this unbelievable desire to, again, to make my own name and to do the things that I wanted to do. And my friends kind of saw me as someone who viewed sleep as optional and this necessary evil. And I also worked out, but also ate whatever I wanted. And uh, you kind of had a little bit of experience with that as long as you've known me, huh? Yeah. And I met you in your early 20s. And I actually specifically remember a bunch of us over at your place. And you, I think, ate the entire package of Oreo cookies and a half a gallon of milk. It was pretty gross. <laughs> so are you remember that because I didn't share or because it was just overwhelming or impressive? I, yeah, I, I don't remember you sharing, but I was pretty impressed. Impressed that you weren't so sick after you ate all that. So. Yeah, imagine if that happened today. <laughs> yeah. So, but you know, and sadly speaking of that, you know, I, 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 at that time, I ate fast, I walked fast, I talked fast, and what else is there? Drove fast. I, well, I still drive fast today, uh, and even slept fast, and just always being busy, always on the go, and ironically, my mind was always racing and my body was always moving. You know, I just wanted to get things done and at all costs. And the only, the only thing I felt like could stop me was really running out of time, not having enough time. And I just, I pushed so hard during the, my twenties and thirties. And by this time I really didn't know another way. I just had such a desire to prove that I could do it on my own. And the only thing it proved was really disastrous results on my health. Oh. Well, disastrous sounds horrible. So can you tell us a little bit about what you mean with disastrous results? Well, just before my 40th birthday, my body started uh, kicking back. And as we'll call it, my wife was prodding, pushing, shoving uh, in a very loving way for, well, it seemed to be days and weeks, but it was actually months. And I finally went to the doctor in February 2011, and they ran tests. And then they ran some more tests. And then even more tests. And it was like I wasn't already tired before all that. It was an exhausting process. And I remember sitting down with the doctor that day, and he says, Brian, I've got some good news and some bad news. The good news is, is we couldn't find anything wrong. And the bad news is we couldn't find anything wrong. But I knew, Treva. I knew in my heart of hearts there was definitely something wrong. And then I willingly chose to ignore it. <laughs> I just, I had too much to do, not enough time to do it. And I just went right back to business as usual. And I, I love this quote by the late Jim Rome that says, if you really want to do something, you'll find a way. And if you don't, you'll find an excuse. And the truth was, I, I didn't want to stop and rest. My whole identity at this point was now in my drive and in producing these results. And I was good at it. And if I stopped, I thought, you know, I'm going to lose this ground and ultimately lose this game, whatever the game was. And so I pushed even harder. I started traveling in the corporate world, an insane number of miles for business. I increased my speed, my pace, my responsibility. And I, I apparently and obviously sacrificed everything, including my health. 
And then I remember specifically in March 2015, it really, really began to catch up to me. I hit a wall and this time uh, it kind of hit back and I did not get up quickly for the first time. And all my Energizer Bunny energy was no longer there. It had officially left the building and the Energizer Bunny had lost his energy. (laughs) I love that line because I can vouch for that for sure from you. You are the Energizer Bunny and the Energizer Bunny had completely lost his energy so if you can uh, give us a little bit of what were some of the symptoms that you began to have during that time in 2015. Well, everything that was so natural to me before was now taking so much more energy. And I began to crash and crash hard. So I would travel maybe Monday to Wednesday, Monday to, Monday to Thursday, and then would be an absolute wreck on Friday. If I had to work, I was just I was struggling. And then Saturday and Sunday, I would hope I'd gain enough energy just to do it all over again and end up back in this crazy exhaustion cycle. And my pace and stress of life was starting to really catch up to me. Um, I had drained my serotonin, which is the source of my energy, or was, and I replaced it only with adrenaline, which was showing up in some serious symptoms. So, for example, I was finding myself unable to get up in the morning when these early quiet hours, that, that was my time, and I never missed it. Now I was sleeping in, or if I was there, I was just not coherent enough. Uh, My breathing was off, which was really, really odd to me. I became really flush in the face, almost like I had sunburn. And my wife would tap on my face, and just you could see the color change when I was to that level of exhaustion. Uh, My eyes looked hollow and even almost like a blackness to them. Um, I get body aches like the flu. Without having the flu, my mind would shut down to the point where I, I couldn't even concentrate or even read. And I would never let people see me like this. Um, I usually just saw that on stage. I didn't see that off stage. And if they ever caught a glimpse of that, they're like, are, are you are you really sick? And I mean, like not feeling well, but like terminal or something really, really bad. Mm-hmm. And I could sleep for 12 hours straight and it felt like I didn't even make a dent. You know, holy sleep, debt, Batman. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's interesting for me when I started seeing that in you um, because you seriously are the Energizer Bunny. You're very organized. And how I saw it mostly in you, because we're long distance, unless your family was visiting ours, is when you said you know your mind would shut down and you couldn't concentrate or even read. You're like a read three books a month type of guy, and it would be like not even able to concentrate for five minutes on anything. So uh, I, I I knew you were not in a good place when I saw that or could hear that from you. And you're somebody that would know. I mean, we're going to get through your story as well with the next interview. And so obviously there was a history that you knew of what I was going through. Uh, But at that point, I I didn't really, we didn't dive into that. And for Mm -hmm. me, the scary part was that I was, just as you had mentioned, I I was no longer me. You know, what made me, me. And what I felt made me unique, I felt like it was slowly dying inside of me. And there was nothing I could really do to even get it back. And that was freaking me out. Uh, I mean, absolutely paralyzing to a doer. And this hard driving me was starting to become a thing of the past. And ironically, I felt like what was making me good was now starting to take me down, which is this this drive, this unsustainable pace and energy. And I felt like it wasn't supposed to be like this. I'm, I'm only 45 years old at the time. And I felt like I was still getting more done than most people. But it wasn't my pace and it wasn't my energy level. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I definitely, there was a huge change in you. So, so you've crashed, you're not feeling good at all. You've already been to the doctor. So did you go back to the doctor at that point? 
Yeah, I did. With turning 45 and my dad having a history of prostate cancer, I figured, you know what, this I needed to do this. And so I went back reluctantly. And I went through extensive medical tests that were, again, exhausting and very stressful, especially this time, because it was worse. And so I thought for sure they've got to find something. And I, I just needed to know and understand what was going on in my body. Of course, they came back, gave me a clean bill of health. But this time, I, I just couldn't ignore it, Treva. I, I was obviously encouraged to know that there's nothing major wrong, but I was still incredibly exhausted and now, you know, now my everyday activities were being affected, affected, not just, you know, the Friday, Saturday, Sunday weekend crash. Now I was able to work out. I was gaining a lot of weight. I couldn't run the races that I was running before. And I just couldn't push it like I always did any time that I wanted, you know, news release here. I was officially concerned and worried. <laughs> yes, you were. You know, and I, I knew I had so much more in me, but not the energy to kind of produce the results, the results that I wanted. And especially not in that turnaround time that I was able to do and was used to and almost acceptable to me. So, you know, hitting this wall this hard, you know, it gave me some serious, serious damage this time around. Mm-hmm. You, you know, I've heard you use the analogy of a high performance car. So um, can you tell us a little bit about that and how that relates to where you were? Yeah, you know, I've I've always driven 100 miles per hour all the time, and most of the time that's only in the analogy, not physically driving in a car that fast. Um, although my pet peeve is it's it's people driving in the left lane that uh, yeah. should be in. And I, and I think you'd like to drive 100 miles an hour, so don't lie to us. <laughs> it's, it's true. In fact, the people who drive fast in the left lane, I think they should be on the frontage road. But that's for another time. <laughs> yeah. So, but I mean, seriously, to use the analogy, my my RPMs were redlining. My fuel was on absolute fumes. Um, I was putting in cheap gas, not doing any maintenance on this now, you know, this high performance car. Um, I was doing repair work only when I absolutely had to. And of course I wanted it quick and I wanted it cheap. And I was finally wrecking my body going at this absolutely relentless pace, which I didn't realize at the time, but pushing this hard without really taking care of my body was really, really catching up to me. So, so back to the analogy, um, you know, I seem to care more about how the car looked on the outside. And always being clean and shiny in the interior. If somebody got in the car, it was still spotless. I mean, it was vacuumed. Everything looked just pristine. But I ignored the engine in this analogy. It was really what mattered in the end. And everything was going to have to change. And I needed to do things differently. And literally, my health depended on it. Yeah, I, I can see the insides not matching the outsides. It's in, it's easy to ignore that stuff going on the inside for sure. So... You mentioned you needed, obviously, changing from the inside out because things were falling apart uh, for your own health's sake. So what did you do? Well, ironically, this is when our family visited your family in Southern California. And I remember specifically, like it literally was yesterday, Treva. We were sitting down as, as family and couples. And the next thing you know, over a couple of glasses of wine, you know, you you know, we're having conversation and kind of that vino and just catching up and then finally getting to the spots of how are you really doing and you noticing what's going on. Yeah, I think I confronted you a little bit, but I think the couple glasses of wine that we had probably helped a little bit there, don't you think? Yeah, now looking back, I think that was part of your master evil plan. Nicely done there. Of course, it worked really well. (laughs) Well, you know, to be honest, it what you said, it really, really did scare me, you know, whether you could see that in me or not, you know, with being the sole supporter of my family, my wife had been a public school teacher for a long, long time. We had just brought her home to homeschool the kids and especially as much traveling I was doing for her not to feel like a single mom. 
And, you know, it was really, really concerning that I knew I could no longer keep this pace up and was literally being forced to change. And I, I need some serious help. And you, Trevo, you know, you were, you were my answer. Yeah. You know, um, I watched you over all these years in the stress and pace of your life running nonstop and you're, you're right. It literally was taking you down. And so for me as a friend, it was really hard to watch. So I think at that point in time, you're ready to listen, but not necessarily just ready yet to go full in and make the changes. So I get that because it takes commitment. So tell us about the battle that was going on. Yeah, about that. <laughs> Wanting to 100% commit. So I think I finally got what was going on and accepted that. So I was aware of it to the level of honesty. You know, I was starting to get it, but was I really willing to take the action? You know, I was hesitant. You know, money was tight and I wanted a quick fix and they were all excuses back to, you know, if you want to do something, you'll find a way. If not, you'll find an excuse. And they didn't work. Um, imagine that. And they did a little bit. But I think in the only way they did was to prepare me to go all in. And so you took me through some very, very specific tests, um, some food restrictions and supplement regimens that were, to be honest, absolutely grueling. <laughs> but they were incredibly effective. Hey, hey, be careful now. Don't be saying so much like that. <laughs> but really, I mean, it, it was a big commitment on your part. And so what we ended up doing is I did a handful of lab tests on you based on really your symptoms and came up with um, adrenal fatigue, you know, disorder. And there's a lot of things that go into adrenal fatigue. And for you, your adrenals were just tanked, which is your cortisol. And you mentioned serotonin and all that is related but we did a handful of tests on you and I could go into all the details and I'll talk a little bit about that in my interview, but we wanted, I wanted to get to the core issue of what was going on because you didn't have a quote unquote disease, but you were really sick. Your body functionally was not functioning at that high level. And so we went all the way back to the basics and looked at some deep core issues and then started some specific supplementation and changed your diet. And also we changed some of your lifestyle. So I think that helped a little bit for you. Yes. And you know, for the first time, I think I had hope. I really did. I'd seen your recovery and we'll talk more about that in your interview, which is episode 004. Um, so I, I knew it was possible. And uh, I think that's really what I needed, Treva. Yeah, for sure. And interestingly, we did work on all of those things that I talked about. But I think you also use this time for some serious self-reflection. That was kind of a new thing for you, right? Yes. You know, I had in other areas of my life and, you know, bad choices in my past and decisions. But really to find out, you know, and kind of the reasons why I started with the story of, you know, of my family and the Buckley name and the expectations and that, that drive. And I think looking back, and to use that back to the analogy, looking under the hood for the very first time in this area, I learned a ton about myself. And, and again, to be honest, it really wasn't that pretty. And I asked some tough questions like, why am I really this way? And, and how did I get here? And not just the soft answers, but really, really objectively what's going on. And I mean, almost all these expectations were really self-imposed. You know, I wanted to be known as that guy, you know, the guy who could get her done. You know, everybody saw my onstage. They didn't see the offstage of what it was really doing to me. And, you know, why did I feel the need that I needed to push it all the time? And I just, I really had no clue how to rest. You know, I'm the guy who was allergic to sleep. I never took breaks, you know, downtime. It was that even a word, you know, I was always doing something and I just didn't know how to be still to be 
present, to just be with others. And I mean, it's, it's just not right. And it's not fair to the person that I'm with and just the uneasiness. And I, I felt, you know, once I started to realize all that tree, I felt discouraged. It was kind of paralyzing because I really didn't know what to do next. And it was really, really humbling for me. And, and you know, and I'm not even in touch with my feelings. So what's that say? <laughs> yeah, you're not. <laughs> So, but I also did, I never heard of high performers getting any rest, you know, they were taking breaks and having margin in their life. You know, I'm learning that the word rest is becoming now the new secret shame of high performers. You know, I lack that true rest that own that the only thing that would, would work to heal my body, my mind, and at that point, even my soul. And so I was doing some reading and I came across this quote that hit me really, really hard. It's, uh, it says this, our willingness to rest depends on what we believe we will find there. Mm. Our willingness to rest depends on what we believe we will find there by an author named Wayne Muller. Mm. And, you know, I didn't want to slow down long enough to find anything there. But I decided to because of where the depth of, of this crash of my health had taken me. And I decided to take the green pill of energy and learn how to truly rest at this deep, deep level. And, you know, so much good came out of that. And... You know, amazing enough, when you do the inner work, uh, as, as I had to go through, it was a choice, but my character, you know, was deepened along with my faith, you know, during this whole journey. And I learned so much about myself that dates back to all, all the way as a, as a child. Mm. Yeah, you know, um, and I've referenced this in your interview here because I've known you for a long time and I really have seen your whole story and I've seen you rise and I've seen you fall and I've seen you recover and uh, this recovery time seems to be different than I've ever seen. And wow, what a journey for you, my friend. It's been amazing. Well, so, I appreciate you saying that. And you're one yeah. who's been there for decades to be able to really see the full <laughs> scope of it, which is rare yeah. in my life. I have for both of us, the good, the bad, and the ugly, right? <laughs> so now you, you know, you're, you're pretty much on the other side. So of course, everything's easy and perfect now, right? <laughs> yeah, about that. Um, not exactly. <laughs> I've learned I am far from perfect or arrived in this specific area. Um, I mean, I'm learning to really listen to my body, which is uh, something you had taught me. I mean, what's it really need right now? You know, sometimes it's just telling me, slow down, buddy. Sometimes it's telling me, literally stop. Sometimes it's telling me, set the book down. It's telling me to lay down. And I, I just have to listen now. And for a hard-driving performer, a high performance, you know, it's a drastic change of operation for me. But you know what? It's necessary and it, you know, it's, it's literally changing my life to the good or the bad, depending on, on if I do it or not. And, you know, I find myself easily falling back into the exhaustion cycle far more than I should have. Um, but, you know, sometimes old habits die hard. And, you know, let me, let me give an example. So, you know, the Cubs were in the playoffs, being a Chicago fan, go Cubs go, um, you know, hashtag fly the W. You know, the playoff ran came around, run came around and I was staying up late, you know, for each of the games, you know, I was eating more and of course, you know, drinking more and, and too much sometimes the games on the West coast. So I'm sleeping, you know, just up a lot later and I was completely out of my routine for a number of weeks. And, but I, I learned to bounce back, you know, what I was doing was called Utro, which is when I was out of the routine of. And I needed to move into Bitro, which is back in the routine of. <laughs> I really like that. And if you continue to listen to some of these podcasts, which we hope you do, Brian has all kinds of really great things to remember stuff by like this. So Utro and Bitro, because I think what happens with people's the Utro takes over and it's really hard for us to get back into the routine, especially during Christmas or holidays or you get sick or whatever. But 
uh, I, I love that if you can remember utro and bitro. I think it's great. Well, and I appreciate that. And I think, you know, for the bitro part of me back in the routine of I needed to get back to eight and a half hours of sleep. That sounds crazy to some people. But sometimes nine, if I'm absolutely pushing it hard, there are certain foods, you know, with going through all the testing we did that I, I just simply don't eat anymore. It's a choice. So I say don't instead of can't, which is a restriction. And, you know, and I, and I got to move at some level every single day. So for me, that's standing, stretching, walking, running, lifting more, just something within my day. And But all these changes, you know, have been worth it, worth it in the end. And the Energizer truly has, has regained his energy and now using it as, as an energy edge. Absolutely. And you definitely have regained your energy. We believe sleep is foundational to develop an energy edge. It's challenging enough to be productive and creative, especially when you're tired or even exhausted. But what if you had a quick guide to give you a jump start, something to point you in the right direction? That's the exact reason for the sleep guide called Sleep Your Way to the Top, 10 Secrets to Getting Better Sleep. To download your free copy, visit www.energyedgepodcast.com. That was www.energyedgepodcast.com. You can also find the link in the show notes. Now, back to the podcast. Do you have some closing thoughts that you have for us as we end your interview today? Yeah, mine are usually closing thoughts, comments, Snyder marks. So, <laughs> yes, um, right. Imagine that. I mean, there's just many of you that are out there, you're listening to my story and you're going, you know, dude, that's, that's some of me. Some of your story is part of my story. I mean, you're the hard driving, you know, high performance car who's always running a hundred miles an hour. You're redlining right now. Your gas is on fumes. You're putting in the cheap fuel. You're doing a little maintenance. And I just want you to know, per my story, there's a price that you'll have to pay living this way. And it doesn't have to be this way. You know, you could turn back far before me taking the curve at 70, you know, when it's marked 30 and here I'm embarrassed because I'm slowing down, losing time and crashing. It doesn't have to be that way. So I really hope you can find some encouragement and some hope in my story, knowing there's someone else there, someone else is like you or who's been there and maybe even further. So, you know, I, I challenge you to learn from my adrenal crash. You know, I, I encourage you to allow me to work with you in, in the journey, whether it's through a podcast or future online courses or through coaching or uh, reading the blog or whatever. And uh, I'd love to stay in contact. So I'm going to give you my email address if you're interested. It's Brian, B-R-Y-A-N, at brianpaulbuckley.com. So I just really want the best for people that are out there. And I'm hoping that uh, that my story can, can encourage and motivate in some way.